0: Make sure to subscribe from wherever you're listening to continue hearing life-changing messages. If you like what you hear, please support World Evangelism by subscribing to the premium version of this podcast for even more sermons. Links are in the show notes. Enjoy today's sermon.
1: Praise God. What a wonderful privilege. I really sense the presence of God in this place today. So I'm grateful for the opportunity um, to be able to kind of pinch hit. Thank God. Thank Pastor Warner. Thank those of you in attendance uh, this morning, and those joining online. Now, the word gospel, which we're all so familiar with, the message of the gospel and the, the whole meaning of the gospel really is the most relevant message to any human being, whether they realize it or not. And I was intrigued by this and you know some of you might know that the word gospel is very unique it's it's in the Greek it's actually the word euangelion, and you know how they say a picture is worth a thousand words the word euangelion is like a word that's worth a thousand pictures and it paints several pictures and we're going to look at a scripture to illustrate that this morning but it the the word literally means good news and it paints the picture of a battle that no one could have won and it's against all odds and then you know Jesus of course winning the battle on our behalf and then the message to be sent and that is good news you can go free so i want to preach a sermon i've simply entitled the gospel this morning now the scripture that we're going to look at is is probably something that you wouldn't expect uh, considering our subject, but it's in 2 Samuel chapter 18. 2 Samuel 18, I want you to turn there. We're going to read a a lengthier portion of scripture that I usually would read, but we're going to read verse 16 and then from 19 downward. 2 Samuel chapter 16. Now, um, this is you'll see why in a minute but maybe I'll paint a little bit of a picture of what's happening in this text. So so David is you know in his latter years, his son Absalom, you probably know the story, usurps his authority, he tries to steal the kingdom. Absalom gathers the majority of the army, he has a much stronger army. David has a few loyal people that are with him. They're on the run. They're leaving the city. And they really can't win this battle, but a miracle happens. And then we're going to look at what transpires. And and I want to draw a parallel between us and the people in this story, particularly David, and what the message of the gospel means to the entire world. Look at this scripture, starting in verse 16. In 2 Samuel chapter 18, the Bible says, And, Boa and Joab, Joab blew the trumpet, and the people returned from Pursun after Israel, for Joab held the people back. Now jump to verse 19. Then said Ahimeaz, the son of Zadok, Let me now run and bear the king tidings, how that the Lord has avenged him of his enemies. And Joab said to him, You shall not bear tidings this day, you shall bear tidings another day, but this day you shall bear no tidings because the king's son is dead. Then Joab said to Cushai, go tell the king what you have seen. And Cushai bowed himself unto Joab and ran. Then Ahimeaz, the son of Zadok, yet again said to Joab, but howsoever let me, I pray you, also run after Cushai. And Joab said, why will you run, my son, seeing You have no tidings ready. You have no news. But however, he said, let me run. And he said unto him, run. Then Ahimeaz ran by the way of the plain and overran Cushai. And David sat between the gates and the watchman went up to the roof over the gate unto the wall and lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, a man running alone. And the watchman cried and told the king. And the king said, if he be alone, there's tidings in his mouth. And he came a pace and drew near. And the watchman saw another man running. And the watchman called unto the porter and said, behold, another man running alone. And the king said, he also brings tidings. He's also bringing news. And the watchman said, I think the running of the foremost is like the running of Ahimeaz, the son of Zadok. And the king said, he is a good man and comes with good news or good tidings. And Ahimeaz called and said unto the king, all is well and fell Down to the earth upon his face before the king, and said, Blessed be the Lord your God, which has delivered up the men that lifted up their hand against my lord the king. And the king said, Is the young man Absalom saved? And Ahimaaz answered, When Joab sent the king's servant and me your servant, I saw a great tumult, but I knew not what it was. Verse 30, And the king said unto him, Turn aside and stand here. And he turned aside and stood still. And behold, Cushai came. And Cushai said, Tidings, my lord, the king, for the lord has avenged you this day of all them that rose up against you. The gospel. So, so this word, it, it, it paints several pictures. It literally means good news or good tidings. It, it's the picture of this victory that was won on a battleground or some battlefield and someone coming with the message and delivering to those that are waiting and watching and and letting them know that the victory has been won. So someone runs to this capital city, if you will, like we saw the runners, and he announces to the citizens that on their behalf, the army has accomplished a great victory. So, So the citizens are in a bad state. They're you know, they're, they're sitting kind of tied up somewhere, or not literally, but they they couldn't go on the battlefield themselves. They couldn't win this. This had to be done for them, and somehow someone runs with the message to tell them exactly what they need to hear, which is good news. Now, we are very much like David in this story, and, and this picture of his helplessness, and the fact that Everything that's pictured here is against all odds for David. It's against all odds. He, he, he's facing an enemy that has a larger army. The army is more likely to beat them than they would have victory. They're, they're stronger, they're faster, they're smarter. And David himself is cooped up somewhere. He's he's so old he can't even go into the battle. But the, the picture is that. It's against all odds. You can't win. And this is the picture of the human condition, that you can't go to heaven. And and this really needs to resonate with all of us in this place this morning, because it'll do you a lot of good early on in your salvation. If you understand this, it's the picture of the human condition, the great test of life, is to make heaven your home and the odds are stacked against you, you can't go to heaven on in your own merit, on your own, you know, in your own power. You can't do it. I was saying to the kids at VBS the other day, we had a little question and answer. And I, I, I wanted to kind of shock them a little bit because I thought I'd do them some good. I said, look, you know, the truth is you can't go to heaven. They're looking at me like, what? What do you mean? And they're freaking out. What do you mean I can't go to heaven? I'm explaining in your own merit, by your own do, you can't go to heaven. There's nothing you can do to get there. It's a test that you can't pass. There's, this is not like I could help enough old people across the road, or I could give enough to charity, to church, I could serve in ministry, I could start nonprofit organizations. There's nothing you can do to get to heaven. And if the church kid would understand this early on, this, this, this is for Christians. The gospel message is not just for sinners. Because if we would constantly put this in the forefront of our minds, that, that I'm so hopeless, that song we sang, alone in my darkness and, and, and just I'm hopeless in, in my sin. I'm hopeless. There's nothing I can do to pass this test. And this will save you a lot of heartache when you start thinking, oh, yeah, I'm just not like the rest of the family. I'm just not like the rest of the church, folks. I'm not good enough. And we have this lie that we tell ourselves, look, it, 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 in fact, actually, it's not a lie. You're not good enough. You can't go to heaven. And this is why, you know, I love the words of Peter when, when he, he, Jesus says, will you also go away? He's like... Lord, where to? You have the words of eternal life. When we understand this, it's like I'm against all odds. I have no hope. It's a test that I cannot pass. Have you ever been given a test you can't pass? Some of you remember when you were in school and you were given a test, you had no shot, right? Or maybe you're in that situation now. Well, school is about to start. Don't get in that position. The king of of, um, Babylon had a dream, and, and, you know, he wanted the the magicians and so on to interpret his dream, and he calls all of them, and then they're all there ready to interpret this dream. And then the Bible says he throws them a curveball, and he says, no, uh, you know, I'm not going to tell you my dream. And they're like, hold on, king, you want us to interpret your dream? Well, Tell us the dream, we'll interpret your dream. And and he's like, no, I'm not telling you my dream. You're going to tell me my dream, and you're going to interpret it. And they're like, King, no no one would ask his subjects this. How how can we tell you your dream and interpret it for you? You're giving us a test that we cannot pass. And that's the, the picture of life. If you really understand this, that sin and death are stacked up against humanity like like Goliath towered over David against all odds and there's nothing that you can do in and of yourself and by your own strength, you have no shot. And unless Jesus, our champion, wins the victory for us, we're all helpless. We have absolutely no hope. You think you got this Christianity thing figured out? And this is why I said the gospel message is for sinners, of course, but also for Christians. You've been coming to church a while and, and you know, you, you, you're no longer bumping it up in the club and, and all that. Oh, I wish I had someone to respond there at least. Come on, you're no longer bumping it up in the club. You're not doing that anymore, right? But, but there's a lot more to it than the things you're not doing anymore and the things you started doing because sin has put a chokehold on you. And and it's not about what you do, it's about what you are. You cannot go to heaven. It's against all odds. David is there cooped up. This battle, the the likelihood of Joab and this army winning against Absalom, it's a long shot. And that's the picture that realistically describes our situation spiritually today the other picture that the word euangelion paints though that i love is that the war has been won for you see so it's not just that it's against all odds you have no hope god didn't just leave us there here's david not fit for war yeah, you and I weren't fit for war. We couldn't, we couldn't suit up for this battle. We couldn't fight sin and the devil and the grave. We, we couldn't get in this battle. We couldn't tussle with them. And you weren't even on the battlefield. Someone else took the blows. Someone else shed the blood. Someone else conquered the enemy. And it's like David and the rest of the city, they're cooped up somewhere. They can't do anything about this. The battle had to be won for them. And that's what this scripture describes. And that's what's so true for you and I. The battle has been won for us. This is why I said this is by far, the gospel message is by far the most relevant message to every human being. Because whether you realize it or not, there's a war that you desperately need to be won for you. And 2022 some odd years ago, Jesus stepped on the scene and, and he, he strong-armed sin and Satan. Je- Jesus stepped in and, and it's like he he snatches the souls back from the, the grip of Satan. It's like, he give me that. Give, give me those souls back. And he steps in and he completely makes an open show and he, he conquers the enemy. Matthew twelve twenty nine. the Bible says, or how else can one enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods except he first bind the strong man and then he will spoil his house. So, so this is the picture of what Jesus did. He, he stepped on the scene and, and he makes an open show of the devil. He, he defeats sin and, and death and, and the grave and Satan and he, he empowers our will and now we're able to, to live like never before and have life and more abundantly all because he makes an open show of the devil. He makes a spectacle. One scripture says he, he spoiled them. So so Jesus really, he, he, he bullied the devil, bullied him, stepped on the scene and, and just snatched, destroyed the works of the, for this purpose, the son of God was manifest. Why? That he might destroy the works of the devil and he snatches souls from hell, delivers us wins this battle for us that we could have never won on our own. Oh, what Jesus has actually accomplished for us. If we would just fully understand this. Listen, it, 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 I understand dealing with sin and, and you know having, to, having a hard time with decisions and all that. We all have, thank God for his grace. But the, what baffles me is the, the complete departing that some will do. Where, where, where else are you going to go? You can't get to heaven in your own strength. You can't do this in your own effort. Jesus wins the victory for us. And, and, and he, he hung on that cross. And, and if you think the battle was a close one, listen, you were misinformed. Oh, I, I, I wish I had at least a witness there. If you thought this was a close battle, you're misinformed. Looking through natural eyes, you, you see a cross. You see a supposed criminal, you see a dying man, but little do you know that he is conquering the the devil and he's making a way for us like never before. And and those that had gone the, the broad way and through the wide gate now can come the straight and narrow path that he's paving. And Psalm 18 verse 17 says, he delivered me from my strong enemy." And from them which hated me, for they were too strong for me. They were too strong for me. See, once this really resonates with you, man, the only response, man, see, how could you depart from the feet of Jesus? It's like, Lord, thank you. I, I have absolutely no hope. This battle, I cannot win. There's nothing I can do. If God left us to ourselves... We're completely finished. I wasn't on that battlefield. So so I have no idea what it cost. I have no idea of the, the, the crown of thorns. I have no idea of the the mockery. I have no idea of the betrayal that he suffered. I have no idea of the, the spitting in his face and, and the nails in his hands and his feet. I have no idea of the spear that they, they stuck in his side. I have no idea. Because I couldn't be on that battlefield. It had to be won for me. And when we really get this, the only response is, Lord, thank you. Is it Cleave. I'm gonna to cleave to this. I have no other hope. So it paints this picture of the battle being won for us. But the word youangelian, like I said, it's a beautiful word. So here's this battle. It's against all odds that you can't win. This, this, you're 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 outmatched, you're outnumbered. And this miraculous victory takes place on this battlefield. It's, it's, it's a miracle of God. But then the, the word euangelion, the gospel, it also includes the picture of this runner that now needs to take the message to those that are waiting. So, so imagine this now, there's the battlefield, but there's, the, there's some citizens waiting somewhere over yonder they have no idea what's happening on the battlefield. And here they are, you know, they're they're there, they're probably hungry, they're probably a little bit anxious, they're watching, they're waiting, they're probably fearful, they're weak. Oh, their, their supply lines may have been cut off. Whenever there's a battle, usually those kind of things happen. And so here are these people that are wondering what has happened on the battlefield. They have no clue. But there's this picture of this runner who witnesses what happens, this miraculous victory. He sees it, and then he takes the message, just like in our scripture, and he runs into the city. And that's why the word is so beautiful. The gospel is good news. Good news. Good news! The, the battle has been won on your behalf. So, so there's this picture of the runner and the citizens it, it, it embedded in this word. Ungelian that this battle is won, but these people are waiting and someone has to run and tell them the message. So the, 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 the message is so good in our scripture, you notice that Joab is looking for a runner and the Bible says that Ahimeaz comes and he wants to run. The message is so good, man, everybody wants to run with it, right? He, he's he's eager to run with it. Oh, that our conferences were filled with couples that were eager to be the ones to be sent, Okay, some people on this side got that. That, that people would be eager. Man, I, let me run with this message. And so Joab says to Jaime, says, No, 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 you're not gonna bear tidings today. You know, Cushai is gonna bear the tidings. And, you know, it, it's interesting that two people go off running, only one of them actually has the message. You know, can I tell you that not everyone running has the message? I never forget, man. When I got right, when I got saved. Before I got saved, I had never had a door knock from a Mormon ever before. It's, it had never happened, and I get saved, and all of a sudden. Now remember, I'm in college at the time. I'm trying to, I'm, I'm getting rid of all my partying stuff and all that. I'm getting my, you know, I'm looking in the word of God, and all of a sudden no one cares about Jesus. No one wants to follow this. And and so I get a knock on the door, and it's this Mormon. And all I know is that he's talking about Jesus. He likes Jesus. He loves Jesus just like me. I'm like, hey, come in, man, come on in. So I let them come in and I'm talking to them, I'm entertaining. They're talking about the scriptures, and I'm thinking, man, I would have almost become a black Mormon. If it wasn't for my brother, that, you know, after, after that conversation, you know, I hit him up somehow, and I was like, man, you never believe it. Some guy came over, man, he was talking to me about Jesus. I was so excited. He said, like, oh, hold up, hold up, young brother, hold up. He said, tell me about this person. And so I, we started talking, and, it, and he tells me about Mormonism. And he's like, no, that's a cult. You need to look it up online and do your research. So anyway, I look it up and I realize, wow, you know, here, see, listen, not everyone running has the message. But in our scripture, the Bible says that Joab is looking for a runner. And, and, and it's, it's interesting that the Bible says he calls Cushai to be the runner. He, he, he calls Cushai and he chooses Cushai over Himeaz. So the word, you know, Kushai really isn't uh, actually his name. It literally means an Ethiopian or, you know, people that are from the Kenyan Ethiopian region uh, in Africa. So he calls this this brother. And it's funny. Don't you think it's funny how people from this region are still some of the best long distance runners till this day? <laughs> Man, Joab was clued up. He, he, knew, he knew what time it was. He's like, nah, if I want someone to run, I need him to go the distance. So I want the Kenyan brother. Amen. And so he's like, nah, Haimaz, I know you can run fast. I want Kushai to run with this message. And so he calls the Ethiopian. They're still the, the best long distance runners till this very day. And he calls Kushai. He's like, I want you to be the one to run with this message. And I'm thinking about this as I'm considering the runner and the citizens that... Why is it that these people are such good runners anyway? Why, why did he choose Kushai? Why are Ethiopians better runners than everybody else? Maybe we can draw a parallel. So I did a little bit of a study on this in terms of why it is that they're able to run long distances. So firstly, it's the traditional Kenyan and Ethiopian diet. So what am I saying? What they take in is part of the reason they're able to run long distances. So if you and I are going to run with this gospel message, your diet matters. What you take in matters. How you entertain yourself. The things that you read, the things that you consume, the things that you watch and you listen to. Listen, this might sound very basic, but let me tell you, diet matters. If you're going to run with this message and he calls Kusha, Kusha is able to run the distance and Ethiopians do this because of their diet, the Kenyan and Ethiopian diet. Your, your diet matters. More than ever before, we need to say this in this generation. You know, I love the fact that I'm a millennial because I can pick on millennials and, and, you know, those after me. So I don't, I'm not just, I barely made it in, but I'm a millennial. And it's like, this generation, man, what you're dealing with stuff that people ha- we haven't dealt with before. And, and there's so many avenues to consume junk. If you're gonna run with the gospel, the distance, diet matters. Secondly, I, I looked up and I, and I found out that the Kenyan and Ethiopian region, one of the reasons they run long distances very well is they develop maximal oxygen uptake due to extensive walking and running at an early age so i was preaching this message somewhere and an ethiopian woman told me they have to run everywhere so they start from when they're very young so so what am i saying start early if you're gonna run with this message start early start now if you've seen that the battle's been won, you've understood this gospel message, the next thing to do is run with it. Don't don't wait until you're three years in, five years in. You know what I love telling new converts? I ask them, do you have a Bible? Man, I invite them to church, find a place where Christians are, are worshiping God, and then I tell them, tell somebody about what you've decided today. Tell somebody about what Jesus has done for you. Tell a loved one, family member, someone. Tell somebody about what Jesus Christ has done in and through your life. Start early. Don't wait. So, so the, the Ethiopians and the Kenyans, they start running from very early on and they're able to develop this ability of maximal oxygen uptake. So if you and I are gonna run with the message, start early. And then thirdly, the Kenyans live and train at altitude. So, so, because of the elevation of where they live and, and, and just how they do life, the, they, they're on a different level, if I could put it like that. So, so, for them, when they come down to this level, it's like they have so much oxygen, they don't know what to do with it. So, they live and train at altitude. What am I saying? That your, your worldview has to be at altitude. You have to have a biblical worldview. You have to live on higher ground. Come on, I'm talking to the teenager. I'm talking to the, 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 per, the young person who is trying to figure life out and all these things are pulling. Listen, you've got to live on higher ground. You're, a lot of things are pulling you in life. And if you're going to run with this gospel, like the, the Kenyans and the Ethiopians, you have, to, you have to live at altitude. You have to have a biblical worldview. Our worldview has to be on another level. So these Kenyans are able to run. So they're, they're these runners that Jesus is looking for. So Jesus, the general of God's army has now won the war, just like Joab in this picture. And, and he's destroyed the devil. He's he's conquered sin and death and the grave and so on. And now he, he looks left and right and, and he's looking for runners. He's looking for those that'll run with this message into their schools and into their jobs and into their homes and begin to share with the citizens that are waiting. They're lost, they're dying, they're they're waiting and they're 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 anxious, they're hungry, and they're desperate. And Jesus, the general of God's army, is looking for runners. And in case you figure, oh, I I don't know how to to, to speak or I don't know how to articulate this message, he makes promises like, open your mouth and and I will fill it. You you don't have to have all the words, you don't have to know everything to say. I need runners. Moses said to, to God, Lord, I'm slow of speech. I can't talk properly. God says, no, 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 forget about all of that. I need a runner. I need runners. That you would go and you would tell them that they've been delivered. Tell them that they have been redeemed. Tell them that they have been forgiven and the blood has been shed. I've shed my blood and I've sacrificed. I've won the war. Tell them that their shackles are loose. Tell them. He needs runners. So the word evangelion includes all of these wonderful pictures, battle that's against all odds that so applies to me and applies to you, this miraculous victory that Jesus won on our behalf, and then the picture of these runners that are carrying the message to the desperate citizens. Good news. Good news. The victory has been won. You know, I was, I was a little bit fascinated by the story of Juneteenth, so Juneteenth recently became a national holiday, but the, the history of it is somewhat interesting because it was the Emancipation Proclamation that was issued on the 1st of January 1963, but what happened is slaves in the South were still enslaved for another two years, so, so they had actually been legally freed but here they are just waiting there in the South, no clue that the, the battle is over, the, the, the victory has been won. They're no longer slaves. And it wasn't until General Gordon Granger issued General Order Number 3 two years later informing them that they had been freed. That's when all of a sudden it's like, wait, hold on, I can go free. So, so here are the... God is looking for runners all over this building right now. This message applies to you one way or another. Whether you are the person that is realizing your desperate need of God, like we all have, there's none of us that is excused from that. And we desperately need his forgiveness and his strong arm that has made a way of salvation. But as soon as you receive that and you embrace that, the next thing is for you to be like Cushai. And I'm just like Kushai, just like some of you. I've just witnessed the battle. The battle has been won. And now I'm running for, to this congregation. I'm running to schools and to jobs or wherever. Wherever I encounter people, I'm running with the message, good news. You, you don't have to be shackled anymore. You don't have to be bound anymore. The gospel is the good news that brings salvation to all men and these citizens right now are still waiting and they need to hear this message and what God is looking for in this sermon today as we spend a few moments at these altars, for some of us it's, you know what, I need to cleave to this like never before. I've never made a decision and today is that day. I, I, I recognize that I, I can't do this. Who am I kidding? It's against all odds, but for, the, for all of us, once that decision's been made, Like Cushai, I want to run the distance and I want to proclaim this message to the entire human race that, listen, this is the the answer for your condition. Good news. The the battle's been won. You don't have to be shackled anymore. You don't have to be bound in in drugs and addiction and, and sin of all sorts. You can go free. And I'll get my diet right. I'll do what I live at altitude, biblical worldview, whatever it takes so that I can run with this message and proclaim it to those that are near and dear and, and far and as wide as I possibly can go. Amen. Come on, let's bow our heads. The gospel this morning.
0: I have five reasons for you. Number one, on the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three, premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks.